Beloved, ah, Mandori and Shabanda. God bless all of you for joining. Sister Ophelia, God bless you for joining. Mrs. ABC, God bless you for joining. Joel, Lion Cap, God bless you for joining. Brother Sammy, God bless you for joining. Kalepsia, God bless you for joining. Hallelujah. Beloved, wherever you are, I want you to lift up your voice. I want you to lift up your voice. Just begin to speak in the Holy Ghost. Amen and amen. I receive. Ah, Dibaru Shandaba. Ah, Libron Dazanda Badagada. Just open your mouth. Begin 
begin to stir up the atmosphere with fresh fire raboya in the basada irabakada barabado shabada bade in the baramba sanda rabadori andarabadaba ilaborobo barabadari bado mayanda panda rabakata ya rabadosha in the barushabada barabadaba aranda pandorwazi Talabalaba, Ilevele Kola Valadia Zanda Rabadai, Ayanda Panda Ruakepaya, Rakonda Riantaria, Asperondo Zerianda Rabashaba, Rikoro Sebranda Rakula Barabade. Avandiri antarabadosha labalabai Esprole andiri karabadosha Rikanda razole Esprosta palia Melafanda Ilaganto di adia zapandaria Raganda ishabanda Ilantonus apandarabadosha Rikate Eresoto rigadale Esperianto robodoya Avelendele velegabadabarabada Ripayanda Pantoria da Rabada, Ilipanda Rabasha Badaba, Lagada, Lagadai, Lagadai, Azembranding Campaladia, Felendelia Tush, Ale Paladia, Rika Pandalua, Alegatualia, Alema Apandalua Talua, Rebashanda Panda Rabada, Rabacatoria, Ekindala Pandor Wazianda, Alekanda Mazuanda, Ayanda ila impaladua ayamba tus alianda ilaita bali izaida bara roboshanda pale malaba ianda panda rua palua ayandiva ala kumbaladia ale impomba lamba pomi ayanda pantomi pampoma aranda sonda la panda ligadula paya rekonda liatus ale grande espronde faladia Mayanda Paladea, Rakomba Latush Apalea, Rekoya, Lekombi Akdonda Lakimbida, Rekonda La Diesta Palia, Royanda Zanda, Ilandi Panda Kualia Teza, Rekombe Latone, Arando Paladia, Rekola Tila Panda Ladie, Oshkelia, Melinde Palianto, Repanda Kumaladua, Ayande, Ilema Ayanda Panda. Andalua Paya, Rabamba Yanda Doni, Estolayaya, 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 Rokoyanda Dela, Rababora Ikatonda, Reconde la Conerquiande, Estolo Paladi Estolokia, Rakaya, Elaikimbadona, Aleywalam Anectacola, Randemba Adika, Lecola Siande Pale. Recola tisha lei palei talei ilei kanda masonde le paleya roshanda leha ah. Ifalande la kutalia le kapalia talo shalande rekomba rashanda raba rekonde le shalia lupre salanda isprande zandre 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 lekomba ile kapanda luate ayande le velekunda la tiazo raba shanda rabadoya ikonde le paladi estaleha ile panda rosha pal 
Maria, Rande Limpanda la Comba la Diesto, Rekendeleha, Rubaba Itarosha Cade, Esprobla Dila, Baleta Zelemelega Develega Duna Gita Paladuna Itacusa Liate, Richelle Panda, Alemedene Mapoma Ida Baladiza Libadu, Kele Balagana Labazuni Libale, Iveledu Lagadila Panale, Sholamandi Lavanula Kida Lamazai, Ile Panale, Iramba Sandaliha, Landro Predicato, Aranda Salicoto, Layanda Lipale Kapa, Lama Du Pandeya, Zanda Mazanda Lacumba Lazinda, Ibanda, Saikatoli, Mandoros Andelicatusta, Rosho Pandela, Ramba Sanda Baleha, Rabba Banda Kondaria, Melandi Kuadin Diliante, Indolos Akanda Lagata, just speak in the Holy Ghost, Ribando Lombahida, Mandeli Sopanda Lakiasto, Rado Shalea, Oh Zayandaya, Ramba Catoli, Reba Babo Baloi 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 Baloya, Ramba Shande de Iscaboradi Sharanda Deya, Ifeladin Tolosiande, Ayantali Baluatalang Grande, Asandele Palandolia Paluatalagadila Guda Ita, Anish Andolo Bamba, Inda Bamba, Melendo Velike Inda Kunda Le Tahira, Recola Intalosha, Malandonos Agdilo, Ricondele Paladea, Mandon de Laisondea, Zuranda, Randili Pandoman de Landa Kumbaleha, Alezo Caraiso Baraiso, Ashanda Rakatora Ida, Rabanda Manda Pandaleha, Mandela Zandalia, Repande Kabaya, Madush Aduna, Ale Shaduni, Ade Shalina, Badush in Damanda Kumba Ika, Azentola Zekibaya, Colate. Latu, Ilan de Levelindo, Ilandula Sanda, Branda Lazia, Mandoni Cantela, Boya Sende, Isaac Adush Adila, Menele Som Paladam. Ah, Iskapali Adura, Legadi Vradush, Reketela Bradista, Radon Talia, Melendura Isanta La Valadei, Ileiki Mpampo, Aleisa Baladri Vadosha, Rakatosha, Meletiesto, Lagandua Apaya, Lipandua Teba, Lemelebelega de Legadisha, Rante Le Paliante, Munus. Actus Adielo, Baboli Avelante, Melivi in Doava, Madudu Ukuguda, Reketos Adela Pante, Lega de Lega Suatai, Zaka Roja, Repayada Pandalier, Ilanta La Dreste, Greste, Drosta, Landre, Zalies Empresanta La Frante, Intresandro, Cayento, Zampre, Lei Pantalie, Manush Atus, Aleish Atus, Barash Atus, 
Ilakush Atuz, Adele Impale Atuz, Balej Ivalish Indazus Atuz, Kaze Tazu, Ilanda Indalum Pare Atuz, Kezalde Melif Aton Ale, Hade Impanda Kua Atuz, Baba Baba Baba, Manekedeleki Kokokokoa, Repapandendoha. Zwande Zuata Bubaya Indua Melenden Tuaziate Ah my father Melinto Zalevre Ito Gratito Le Grande Zue Repaya Lagadosha Repapoya Yezua Ateila Manele Shalabade Ileisa Indaliasa Lega de Lega de Leme Lega de Logo de Lega de Lega de Lega de Lega de Lega de Lia La Dadayanto La Dios La Dios Azue Lepra Dios Menyesh Esco Menyesh Esco Menyesh Esco Menyesh Esco Takondalia 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 Ikoto Zalika Zeleite Palia Itoko la grakitu brakizo Estro pradish alie Leita pandalue Ayendia velando Yendo kotalie shalia Alegetia sua palie taliena Alei bandei satusa Babori aziende Melex egrasta kuala Reketola granda Manush atush aliante Madifeledeila Rei satula apa Katola salabrande le shalia le impradi shalakrandoreha lambro pradi shaladai Oh through the blood of Jesus we declare an open heavens through the blood of Jesus we declare an open heavens through the blood of Jesus we declare the heavens are opened for an encounter tonight through the blood through the blood in the name of Jesus we declare the heavens are opened lemo shalia oh Jesus can you open your mouth somebody and just begin to pray for the man of God who will be ministering to us tonight I want you to lift him up in prayer I want you to lift him up in prayer lift him up in prayer I want you to lift him up in prayer that he will be full of the Spirit of God hey there will be the fullness of the manifestation of the deity of Jehovah Landoromo Shanda that he would decrease and Jesus would de- Jesus will increase in him that he would decrease and Jesus will increase pray for him 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 manoro zengara ilote lalo rebar laro reba lalo reba lalo reba Sholele, 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 sholele. Inye huta, inye huta, inye huta. Sonne krendelisto prindele kistoha. 
Toleizo ba imivangle sone shine ikagandre solatea that the hand of God will be mighty upon him tonight like never before. Menon grentela tul ile shuhalie radish and daily pande yezi adivrande limush adrandos ande that by his words men 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 and women will be translated from darkness into light men and women will be liberated from bondage into freedom into royalty somebody prophesy over him pray menush elo menush elo menush elo menush elo hey that even through his word as his word is coming in the law shanda pandeliante lebran day soprande mandoro shandeli aswende rapandeli brondo lagros and god will manifest himself with signs and wonders and miracles all over mayande mandolobo shande men and women will take their rightful place in the lord and upon the earth kayanu vangwa hango ngoshunga havangushia yanguzu hushahava yenu huzu zwanga hava shezuzu ingashuzozo aizuvashta salisto haprandi thank you holy spirit have your way in jesus precious name amen and amen hallelujah 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 man of god apostle moses please you can you can call in you can call in lebro shanda rabba hallelujah beloved tonight we are privileged and we are so much blessed to have another wonderful minister of god to speak to us hallelujah tonight is going to be another night of divine encounter where you are going to receive something great hallelujah just receive this man of god with open heart hallelujah every word that is coming forth as mary said unto the servant whatsoever he said unto you do it the same thing i will ask you to do now this man of god um he's a man i admire so much um he's a brother and he's also a mentor and he's a teacher you know this is a man of god that i learn a lot from i tell you um when we are on the phone andorumo sandoria i learn a lot from him he teaches me a lot hallelujah he teaches me a lot he is an altar he is an altar yes and he is a revivalist hallelujah yeah he is a revivalist he is married he's a great man of god hallelujah and with a round of applause i don't want to take much of his time with a round of applause i want us all to welcome the man of god apostle now he wants me to always call him reverend but i like calling him apostle hallelujah <laughs> apostle moses charisma kokroko let us welcome you let us welcome you Lord of god please. <laughs> thank you sir thank you <laughs> thank you hallelujah please can you hear me clearly i want to ensure you can hear me clearly before before we take off can you hear me clearly 
Can I can I have some yes if you can hear me clearly? Okay, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Ah, I want us to pray for just two minutes before I take off. Just speak in the Holy Ghost. Begin to speak in the Holy Ghost and let um, your spirit connect with the Lord. Let your spirit be opened. Let the spirit, your spirit be opened. Let the spirit be opened that the Lord will give you understanding tonight. Luke chapter 24, the verse 45, the Bible says, Then open he the understanding that they might understand the scriptures. Then open he. Pray that the Lord would open your understanding. The Lord would open your understanding. In do falada kibrin do sonte palonde vredi ke palonde vredi ko pala la kafala do shebrin te venima konte penima lo selunte vredi ke pela duze vredi kapa. Andi kepele do shabren teveni makadazika tadi makadazika zalavakana makadize kemeli makadazike ne makaduzi vakandi bala landu bala do shabren teveni makonte bele de kadazika talabada landi kapala do shabren tebe de shabren tebe kontava landi kapali de kapanda salindo pali kadose predike palonda predika pardi zandi kapala do shabren teve Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus, amen. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Um, thank you so much, Apostle Justice, for this great opportunity. Thank you for believing so much in me. Thank you for believing so much in me. I am honored, sir. Thank you for the privilege. I want to also appreciate the pastors in the house. I think I can see Pastor Apostle. I can see Apostle Fabiano. Oh, wow, Fafali is here. Sister Afa, you're welcome. I can see Apostle Fabiano. Apostle, God bless you so much. It's a blessing, sir. It's a blessing. I am very honored. When I have people like this around, um, it, it, it sometimes it helps us. It helps the morale. <laughs> it helps the morale. So God bless you, sir. I, 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 Apostle messaged me this morning and he was like, man of God, when are you, <laughs> when are you ministering? I really want to be there. God bless you, sir. Um, I think we have Pastor Elias, Elias here. Pastor Elias is here. God bless you. God bless you. And all the pastors and the ministers in the house, God bless you all for, for being around. It's a very great opportunity. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you so much for a wonderful night. Thank you, Heavenly Father. I ask that you use my tongue as a pen of a ready writer. Write your words in the heart of your people. I pray for a deeper understanding. Heavenly Father, touch my lips that I may not speak error. Keep me on the path of righteousness. 
keep me on the path of truth. May I not deviate in the name of the Lord Jesus. I ask your Holy Spirit to touch every heart. I ask the Holy Spirit to bring a deeper understanding. I ask the Holy Spirit to plant the sweat in the heart of the people that it may grow and bring forth fruit, some thirties, some sixties, and some hundreds. We thank you, Father. We bless you in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you all. So the conference has been about spiritual maturity, and um, I always love to say that there are lots of things we teach, and sometimes we teach them out of experience. At other times, we teach them not out of experience because if um, we have to teach everything out of experience it means that it will take a lot of a lot of time it will take a lot of time for us to start teaching certain things and it is important that is why although it is good to teach out of experience it is also good to receive inspiration from the holy spirit there are certain subjects that sometimes we feel unqualified to teach and one of them is spiritual maturity I said this with all humility to all the men of God and all that because I have realized that we, we talk about spiritual maturity and then most of us, honestly speaking, have not attained to that height. We have not attained to that height. That is what God wants us to attain to. That is what we are laboring for. That is what we are striving for. What, that is what the Christian life is basically about. But honestly speaking, a lot of people have not attained to this. I was reading a book by Pastor Benny Hinn recently, and then uh, reading about Pastor Benny, uh, he was talking about um, a realm that he, he himself is struggling to enter into. He's talking about a certain realm where the vessel becomes one with God, a realm where the vessel becomes so united with God that when the vessel enters a place, he does not need to preach. He does not need to utter a word before things begin to happen. Actually, myself, I was in a, in a meeting in Accra, I think 2016, Pastor Chris came to town. And then um, it was night of this. I was there very early for the program. And we were there waiting for Pastor Chris to come. And amazingly, around 2 p.m. thereabout, healing started to take place when the man of God had not even come into the, the program. He had not come there. That is also another realm. That is a realm where we are all striving to enter. You know, Pastor Benny spoke about that realm where you enter and then you and God are one. You are so united. That is where Jesus was. And he said it with audacity. He said it with a certain authority that I and my father are one. He's not just talking about that mentally. He's not talking about, about, about just a theoretical fact. It's not, it's not a theory that he's talking about. He's talking about a realm he has entered into where himself and the Father are united. That is why he could tell Philip that whoever has seen me has seen God. You know, Philip, Jesus began to say that I am, uh, uh, I am the light of the world. He, he began to say that I am the, 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 the way, the truth, and the life. And then um, um, no one comes to the Father except by me. And then Philip began to ask him, you're always talking about the father. She was the father. And Jesus said, have I been so long with you that you don't even know who I am? I am in the father and the father is in me. Whoever has seen me has seen the father. Do you see? So Jesus is actually saying there that he is the express image of the invisible God. So actually, actually, that is a realm where he could stand and say that I and my father are one. Do you see that? We are equal. So the, the, 
whenever Jesus uttered these words, the Jews got so angry with him because they were so behind and they did not understand the depth or the realm from which God was speaking. They got angry. In fact, they, at a point, they said that you, you are a man and you are making yourself equal with God. You know, that word equal, that word equal, you are, you are a man, you're making yourself equal with God. That word equal there is the Greek, in Greek, it is isos, okay? It is isos, that is how, where we get isosceles triangle, you see, that kind of thing, equal parts, which means that I and my father are equal. We, I, we are one in essence. You see, we are united in essence. A, a church father called Athanasius, who wrote the Athanasian Creed that addresses the Trinity and the deity of Jesus, actually spoke about the fact that the Trinity is, is, is in unity. He said, there is one God of the Father, another of the Son, another of the Holy Spirit. But all these people share the same essence. They share the same essence. That is what Jesus was actually talking about, that I and my Father are one. We share the same essence. Wherever I appear, you do not need to seek God. Wherever I appear, when you see me, you recognize God just by observing me, just by seeing me. Is somebody in the house. You observe God, you recognize God just by seeing me. So Pastor Benny was saying that it is a realm he wishes to enter. It is a realm he actually desires to enter. And it is my heartbeat. It's a realm that I want to enter. And you know, this afternoon, uh, an apostle friend visited me. And then, and then we were discussing the glory. We were discussing the glory of God. And then um, one thing that we all decided on, or one thing that became the subject, the topic of the discussion was, was the fact that why is the church cold? Why is the church not walking in a certain realm? Why is the church so superficial? You know, there is no sub substance. There is no vital force. The, the church is so superficial. And then the glory that we are supposed to enter in, the glory we are supposed to experience, we are not experiencing it. And I was telling him that there is a realm I want to enter. And I, I am not near, but I am believing God that I one day be there. It is a realm that Benihin is talking about. He's talking about a realm when you and God are one. You become isos, like an isosceles triangle. One in essence. Where you appear, God appears. Hallelujah. Where you appear, God appears. So he, he mentioned, Benihin himself said, he himself had not attained to that height, but he actually knows three people who have attained to that that he said all of his life he has had encounters with with men of god he has met men of god in fact he said he has spoken to a man of god um, um what's the name ora robert he has spoken he has been with over ora robert visited over robert they've had discussions and all that but he he when he was mentioning names he didn't mention ora robert and i was shocked if there are ladies here i want to tell you something you know Pastor Benny did not mention men. All the three people he said he knows who have attained to that height of glory are women, actually. The first person is Basilia Schlink, who was a German, Basilia Schlink. You can search for her. I think she has written a book, actually. It has to do with intimacy or something like that. Basilia Schlink. The second person he, he spoke about is Cory Tembum. And then the third person he spoke about is Catherine Kuhlman. Do you see Catherine Kuhlman? Catherine Kuman is the third person that Benny Hinge spoke about. And amazingly, he did not mention men. He said all of his life, his encounters with men, his encounters with people, it's only three people he knows who have attained the height. That 
that place where they become so one with God in essence, in expression, in manifestation, that when they appear, God appears. You see, when they appear, God appears. You know, it is a height that God wants us to enter. It is a place God wants us to get to. And it is disturbing that a lot of people have not attained to that height. It is disturbing. If you're a woman here, I want to encourage you that God has used women in the past and God is still seeking to use women. The women who make their vessels available and will stay in holiness, will stay in righteousness, would, would, would walk with God, align themselves with the Spirit of God, give themselves to the Spirit to possess them, give themselves to the Spirit to guide, would be mighty women who shall rise again. Because I am looking forward to a generation again where the women begin to rise. Because, you see, th there is a generation that has come to pass where we saw women who were giants. Giants. I'm not talking about women who are only teaching on, on marriage counseling and other stuff. It's good. It's good, but sometimes I wonder why the women are settling for only marriage counseling, ministry to the women. It, it is bigger than that. You know, there are people who have walked on earth and then they have been so mighty. They have walked on earth. The Lord has used them mightily. You look at Katrin Kuman, you look at this Corrie Ten Boom, you look at Basilia Schlink, you look at, um, you look at uh, 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 um, Amy Semple McPherson, you look at... Uh, uh, Maria Woodworth Ita, you look at Perpetua and Felicity, you look at Amy Beatrice Kamekel, they are there, you know, women that God has used mightily, mightily, women who have encountered God in a different dimension, they have entered into dimensions and they have, they have not settled for less. They have not settled for less. They knew the Holy Ghost. They knew they walked with the Holy Ghost. They were, they were like mystics who walked with the Holy Ghost. One, one of them is even, even Madame Guyon. Madame Guyon, a very mysterious personality. I want to encourage the women that it is not, the life is not just about marriage. The life is not just about marriage. The life is not just about career, your career. It is good. Marriage is good. Career is good. But life is beyond that. You know, life is beyond that. You need to try and tap into certain dimensions and, and birth them, release them to your generation. When I look at that generation, I, I ask myself, Lord, where are the men who have worked like these women? Who, where are the men, even the men who have worked like, like Smith Wigglesworth, like Lester Samuel, like Ora Roberts, like, like William Braham, like, like Idahosa, like Babalola and Co. You see, so you can see that we are behind. That is why I began by saying that some, some subjects, sometimes we don't feel qualified to teach. Okay, we don't feel qualified to teach some subjects, but by because we, the experience is not the best teacher, but the Holy Spirit is the best teacher, we try to tap into inspiration to encourage our fellow brethren. Hallelujah. Is somebody blessed already? So I have, I have listened to the, the ministers, some of them. I didn't come early yesterday, but I listened to, the, I think, the first two or something like that, the first two ministers, and then it was awesome. I think the first person who ministered on Sunday had done justice to the subject of spiritual maturity. He had, he had actually done justice to the subject. Yes, he spoke about everything. He spoke about the manifestation how to know that you are spiritually mature. He spoke about um, how to grow spiritually. He spoke about certain things you need to do as a spiritually matured person. 
and others. Spoke about all those stuff. He spoke about the, the children, the young men, the fathers, and then he, he really entered deeper into the dimensions. Today, I, I just want to share briefly, I just want to share briefly on something that is also along the lines of spiritual maturity. Like I said, they've done justice to the subject, but I, I want to actually talk about how the maturity come about. I want to talk about how it comes about, okay? And I want to emphasize on the, the, the subject of eternal life. I want to talk about eternal life, okay? That's what I want to talk about, eternal life. And then I want to, I want to talk about eternal life, and then I want to talk about how maturity, the maturity takes place. I want to talk about how it takes place because we know that um, um, we know sometimes we know th- we know where we are going. We know the manifestations, but the process—that's what I'm talking about. The process. How does it happen? That is what I'm going to talk about. When you look at Ephesians chapter four, verse eleven, the Bible says he gave some apostles, some prophets some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, okay, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, okay, until we all come to the unity of the faith, unto a perfect man, unto a measure of the, 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 the stage of the fullness of Christ. So there is a destination that we are embarking on, and Christianity is actually a journey. We look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. The Bible says, Therefore, seeing we have so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Do you see? So actually, Christianity is a race. And so we see that Paul said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my race. Okay, I have kept the faith. So Christianity is a race. Christianity is a journey. And Christianity is, the, is not a journey that we are, we are, you are embarking with your fellow believer. But Christianity is actually a journey. And in, in Ephesians chapter 4, we are told where exactly we are going to. So I always tell people that one of the things that makes the Christian life so difficult for us to walk is our, our overemphasis on heaven and our overemphasis on hell. And then our overemphasis on sin, our overemphasis on the devil. Take, take this. That is, these are some of the things that make the Christian life quite so difficult for us. I am not talking about the emphasis because these things are in the Bible. I am talking about the overemphasis. Okay, this is in the Bible. I'm talking about the overemphasis of these things because most of the time we hear that we hear about rapture so much and then people have people actually fix their eyes on rapture others fix their eyes on heaven others fix their eyes on hell but actually when you look at the christian life we when we fix our eyes on sin or we fix our eyes on heaven or we fix our eyes on hell we cannot walk the christian life God actually does not want robots, people who are motivated by fear to obey him. People do not, God does not want people who are motivated by the fear of hell. And so there are people who consider even salvation to be, people consider salvation to be like um, 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 uh, uh, just, just deliverance from eternal damnation, okay? Like, like a, a certain policy, a certain, a certain policy against, against hell, you see, a certain security against hell alone. That is, that is how people see salvation. So once they are saved, all that they think about is, is how to try and enter heaven, 
how to not walk in sin, how to maintain the deliverance so that I do not go into hell. That is what we usually think about. But God does not want righteousness that is motivated by the fear of hell. And so there are lots of believers whose, whose walk of righteousness, their ability to walk in righteousness is actually motivated by the fear of hell. And I guarantee that it does not please God. He does not want us to live by that motivation. And so when you set your eyes on hell or you set your eyes on heaven, the Christian life will be so difficult for you because when you set your eyes on heaven or hell, you are going to do what we call introspection where you begin to focus on yourself, how good you are, how well you are, how well you are working with God. The Bible tells us to examine ourselves. So don't get me wrong. The Bible tells us to examine ourselves. Paul says, examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. You see, he says, examine yourself whether you are in the faith. So the Bible encourages us to examine ourselves, but the Bible does not tell us to focus on ourselves. The Bible says, looking unto Jesus. Look at this. The Bible talks about the race, which is the Christian life, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us see, lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. Do you see that? Looking unto Jesus. The reason why the Bible tells us to look unto Jesus is because actually Jesus is the model of what God intends to do. That is why the Bible says that when we are going, the purpose of our preaching, evangelists, apostles, pastors, prophets, teachers, all of our labor is to perfect men to that stature. Because Jesus Christ is the definition of human. Jesus Christ is the perfect definition of human. Or I should say Jesus Christ is God's idea of man. So when God had an idea to create a man, in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26, the Bible says, And God said, Let us make man in our own image after our likeness and let them have dominion. Do you see? Let them have dominion. So what the kind of idea God had, the idea of man, you see, the idea of man that God had in mind was Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ is called the perfect man in Hebrews chapter, uh, sorry, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 13. He is called the perfect man. Until we all come to the unity of the faith, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness. So Jesus Christ is the perfect man. He is the perfect example of humanity. What God is trying to do is not to get men into heaven after salvation. Salvation itself is bigger. Eternal life is huge. Eternal life is bigger. It is bigger. It is huge. The concept of eternal life is bigger than just security from hell. It is bigger than that. So there is something that God is trying to do. You see, God's, God's purpose for the church is not just people who would fight against the devil, go to church, try to avoid sin, and then when they finish, they come to live in heaven. I always tell people that the destination of Christians is even bigger than heaven. And that is not my focus. I tell people that Christians' destination is bigger than heaven. And that is why the Bible talks a lot about we growing to a stature, not we going to enter a place. 
when you look at even Revelation, you realize that the Bible talks a lot about those who overcome, those who overcome, those who overcome, those who overcome. And their promises there are not so much of heaven as it is of we partaking of Christ. Jesus Christ is our inheritance as believers. Jesus is our possession. He is our inheritance. The inheritance God has for believers is not heaven. The inheritance God has for believers is Jesus Christ. And that is why he is a man that the Bible encourages us to look unto. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Looking unto him. Looking unto him. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the ship, and he set forth at the right hand of the throne of God. Then the verse 3 of Hebrews 12 says, For consider him that endures such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. Okay, the Bible is actually talking about the, the contradiction of sinners, and the contradiction of sinners has to do with you suffering from you, you suffering like, like a believer or whoever is going to walk in the life, whoever is going to serve God, whoever is going to minister to other people, you walking in a life called contradiction. And the Bible says that you give up if you don't look at Jesus. You faint in your mind. You give up if you don't look at Jesus. The contradiction is like you going to save some, some people. You are sent to a land to save them. And the same people you are sent to save now want to kill you. They see you as their problem. That is contradiction of sinners. So the Bible says that this contradiction is very much a part of the Christian life. And if you do not fix your gaze on Jesus Christ, you will give up. Is somebody here with me? If you don't fix your gaze on Jesus Christ, you will give up. You see, when we were born as children, when we were born as children, do you realize that some of you, when you were little, when you were younger, when you were like three months, four months, five months babies, <laughs> do you, you cannot realize, but when you were three months, four months, five months, or let me say when you were three years, four years, five years, you had telepathic ability. You had ability to see into the supernatural. I am going to share mystery tonight. You had ability to see into the supernatural. There are lots of children. Let me tell you, children have ability to see into the supernatural. When you look at, when you look at the Bible, you realize that only two people, only two categories of people are said to have angels. Only two categories of people are said to have angels. The first category is believers. You look at Hebrews chapter 1 verse 14. The Bible says, Are they not all ministering spirit sent forth to minister to them who shall be heirs of salvation? Do you see that? Are they not all, which is angels? When you look at the context, it started talking about, about angels. Because the, the Hebrews chapter 1 actually was contrasting Jesus' deity from angels. He, he was trying to tell us how how superior Jesus was to an angel, or Jesus is to an angel. So when he got to the verse 14, they say, Are angels not all ministering spirits sent forth? Thank you, Ophel. Sent forth to minister to them who shall be heirs of salvation. So actually, if you are a believer, there are angels that are guarding you. That is why, you see, you, you, you now come from Zion. Your origin has changed. You are from heaven. The Bible says, city of the living God to the church of the firstborn, to the innumerable company of angels, and to the spirit of just men made perfect. So that's when you are a believer, there are angels that are guarding you. And as far from believers, there are, there's another category of people 
apart from believers, one category of people have angels. That is children. Do you see? Children have angels. We look at uh, um, Matthew chapter 18, I think the verse 10. The Bible says that make sure you do not despise one of these children, for in heaven their angels do behold the face of God. You see? For their angels do behold. They are not God's angels, but the children's angels do behold the face of God. So we look at two categories of people who have who have um, angels, okay? Now, you realize that when you were a child, you had super, supernatural ability. Children have supernatural abilities. I tell you, children, children's eyes are opened more than adults. Children's eyes, children's spiritual eyes are open. Children can see angels. Children have the ability to see angels. Children have the ability to interact with the supernatural. Children have that ability. Actually, everybody that is born, even if the person is an unbeliever, the person has. If the person was born by unbelieving parents, the person has the ability, the child has the ability to see into the realm, the supernatural realm. The problem is this. Everybody, David said, I was shipping iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. I was shipping iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. So actually the Bible is telling us that there are people who are conceived in sin. There are people who are shipping iniquity and there are people who, have, who, have, who are conceived in sin. But actually sin goes beyond what somebody does or what somebody does not do. Sin is actually a nature. Sin goes beyond that, and sin is actually a seed, a seed of corruption that has entered the human race. Because the kind of person God created was a perfect man. The kind of person God, God had in mind when he thought of human being was a perfect human being, a person that is incorruptible, a person that is not stained by sin, a person that does not even know sin. And God actually anticipated a world without sin, a perfect world, a world where sin does not exist, pain does not exist, sorrow does not exist, and all these things do not exist. That's what God anticipated. So actually, everybody that is born receives a seed. A seed. And it is a seed of corruption. A corrupt seed. And so, the, 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 when you are a child, the seed is in you, but the seed does not manifest. When you are a child, the seed is in you, but the seed does not manifest when you are a child. Okay? The more you grow, the more the seed grows. And you see, when, when you, you have studied agriculture, you realize that everything, every seed that is planted, every seed that is planted actually needs certain conditions to grow. So when the seed of sin is planted in you at birth, the seed of sin, the seed of corruption is planted in you at birth, we realize that the more you grow, the more sin begins to have its way in you, in your body. Sin begins to have its way in your body. The more you grow, sin begins to have its way in your body. Nobody teaches you to insult. Nobody teaches you to sin. Nobody teaches you to have sex. But the more you grow, you realize that there is a lust that is rising up in you. It was a seed, a seed, and the seed had been watered. Whatever you are exposing yourself to, you see, the more you grow, actually, children are like like, like Christians. Let me tell you something. That, that is why I told you that the two kinds of people who have angels are children and Christians. Children are like Christians. I'm telling you, children are like Christians. And so, you see, 
Children have an immortal ability, but the more they grow and they begin to expose themselves to the world, expose themselves to movies, expose themselves to science, expose themselves to psychology, expose themselves to culture, expose themselves to the culture around them, the, the seed of corruption is being watered. And as it begins to water, as it begins getting watered, then the seed begins to grow. As the seed begins to grow, wickedness begins to grow in the man. That is how it is like. Wickedness begins to grow in the man. It comes from the seed. So as, as your child is growing, that is why any, any, any education that does not begin from the Bible, any education that does not begin from the gospel is a danger to humanity. When your child is growing and the very first thing you are exposing your child to is science, you are, you are actually going to create a man a man that you cannot tame. If the very first thing you are exposing your child to is, is philosophy, psychology, the man, your child will come and tell you that God does not exist. And your child was not like that before, but the mortality was eating up the immortality gradually until the person becomes a full-blown sinner. I don't know if somebody is here. Until the person becomes a full-blown sinner. So when the person becomes a full-blown sinner. You look at Colossians chapter 3 verse 10. Colossians chapter 3 verse 10. The Bible says that we are, we are growing, we are, we are renew, renewed. Okay, the new man is renewed in knowledge. The new man is renewed in knowledge, which means that the renewal of the new man, our growth actually, our renewal as believers, okay, we becoming like Christ depends so much on knowledge. That is why Peter said, grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, Colossians chapter 3, verse 10. And have put on, thank you, and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. You know that the sinner, the unbeliever, is after the Adamic nature. He has the Adamic nature. So as we, the believers, are growing into the image of the one who created him, the unbeliever child, the child, the unbeliever child is also growing into the image of the one who created him. So when a child, we are, when you have a child, the child has the Adamic seed. Okay, when you have a child who possesses the Adamic seed, the seed of corruption inside of him, the child is growing to become a full-blown corrupt person. That is it. He's growing to become a full-blown corrupt person. Just as, you see, so as he's been exposed to knowledge, that is it. He also needs knowledge to grow. He also needs knowledge. So the things that you expose him to will, will begin to, it will determine whether the seed of corruption will be suppressed or the seed of corruption will mature. So as you expose him to every other thing, he's being renewed in knowledge. That, that man, that old man, that Adamic man is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of Adam. So the unbeliever is growing to become Adam. That is why the world has seen a lot of perverse men like Putin, like Russia's Putin, perverse men like um, 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 Gaddafi, perverse men like... Um, uh, um, um, what's the name of some of the wicked some of the wicked men who have existed like Adolf Hitler, like Stalin perverse men, the world has seen a lot of perverse men you see that, because the seed of corruption had grown so much, it has grown so much in them, so actually what salvation does to us is to put an end to that seed of corruption that is why salvation actually when you come to Christ the Lord does not only cleanse you 
when you come to Christ, the Lord has not only cleansed you and let you go. He does not only, we, go, we feel like God has forgiven me, God has cleansed me, has forgiven me, justified me, sanctified me, and then allowed me to go. That is not it. That is not it at all. So in salvation, in salvation, the Lord actually takes the Lord actually takes away that seed of corruption and replaces it with what we call a divine seed. And that divine seed is what we call eternal life. Take note of it. In salvation, the Lord takes away the seed, that seed of corruption inside of you, and then gives you divine life. But remember this: you can have the seed of divinity or the divine seed you can have the eternal life and still walk like an unbeliever let me tell you what causes that when you were you were an unbeliever you had a seed and the seed produced a certain tendencies into your flesh okay it produced certain tendencies in you it produced the wicked tendency that is why you can be saved and still masturbate you can be saved and you see you, as you're masturbating as a saved person you do not like it you can be saved and fornicate as you're fornicating you do not like it do you see that? So when you are saved as a Christian, okay, when you are saved, you can still walk in all these negative things. And the reason is because the seed of corruption has eaten up into your flesh. That is why the Bible says that your flesh lasted against your spirit. Even though you are born again, but your flesh is actually in contention with your spirit to rule you because of the immortality that has eaten up, sorry, the mortality that has eaten up into your flesh. The seed of corruption has produced tendencies. And so what the Lord takes away is not the, the tendency to sin necessarily, but the seed that produces the sin inside of you. That's what he, produces, he takes away. So you can still have tendencies to sin. What we call spiritual maturity, what we call spiritual, the reason why spiritual maturity is even needed is because of the degree to which mortality has eaten up into us. So most of the time, experience will tell you that anybody in whom mortality has eaten so much before he became born again will need a lot of time and more effort to grow mat mat into the spirit, to grow as a spiritually matured person. You see, because maturity is actually the eternal life. You see, when you, you, you are saved, it means that you, you, the seed of corruption is taken out of you and then it is replaced with the seed of incorruption. That is what is, is replaced in you. It is replaced. Then the incorrupt seed, just as the seed of corruption grew and took over your body and created sinful tendencies, the same way the seed of incorruption must develop to produce righteous tendencies inside of you. So the degree, you see, the degree to which mortality had eaten up, your, your flesh, the degree to which sin had, had reigned in your flesh, to that degree, mortality would also have to take over your flesh. And to the degree that, sorry, immortality would take over your flesh, to the degree that the immortality had taken over the flesh, to that degree, you are spiritually matured. I don't know if somebody is here. Your spiritual maturity depends on the degree to which the eternal life that is inside you has matured, had grown to take over your entire flesh. To that degree. So most of the, most people, you see, when you take somebody who had been, who, who gave his life to Christ at the age of eight, and you take somebody like Putin, okay, Vladimir Putin of Russia, if Vladimir Putin gets born again now, and that one gets born again now, you realize that it will take a lot of effort for Vladimir Putin to become a, a strong Christian or a mature Christian than it will take the eight-year-old to become a mature Christian. That, that is exactly what I'm saying. 
It will take putting that a long time and a lot of effort than it will take the child who gave his life to Christ at the age of eight. Because with putting, mortality has eaten so much into him. Is somebody with me? You see, when you look at 1 John chapter 5, the verse 8, John tells us that whoever sins is of the devil. That's what John tells us. Whoever commits sin is of the devil. Then the verse, the verse, um, the verse 9, I think 1 John 3, 9. Yes, 1 John 3, 9. John tells us that he that is born of God does not commit sin. Look at this. He that is born of God does not commit sin. For his seed remains in him and he cannot sin. Take note of that. He that is born of God does not commit sin. For his seed remains in him and he cannot sin. The previous verse, which is verse 8, it tells us that he that commits sin is of the devil. <laughs> he, look, look at this. Then this one it says that according to first John chapter five, the eternal life we know sorry sound the sound is gone is it clear Please, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Okay, all right. I think some calls came through and then... All right. So First John chapter 3, verse 9 says, He that is born of God can, does not commit sin, for his seed remains in him. So it's actually attributing the Christian's inability to sin to a seed that is in him, not his effort. A seed that is inside of him. That is it. And that seed is eternal life. Because, you see, the Bible talks about the eternal life. And it says that the eternal life is Jesus. First John chapter 5. We see that it says this is the record that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. There are lots of people who know that eternal life is in the son. But many people don't know that the son is the very eternal life. Because when you look at the, the last verse of 1 John 5, the very last verse of 1 John 5, it tells us very well that Jesus Christ is, the, is God and eternal life. Jesus Christ is the true God and eternal life. It says, it says, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him that is true. And we are in him that is true, even his son Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Do you see that? 
Jesus Christ is the true God and eternal life. So actually, when you are born again, the Lord plants the seed, which is the eternal life, inside of you. And your Christian life, how much mortality will be, will be taken out of your body depends on how well this seed begins to grow to take over your body. That is it. So to the degree that this seed has taken over your body, has matured to take over your body, to that degree you are considered a, a matured Christian. Look at this. There are Christians who are trying in the ability to be righteous. Some people wear earrings. Sorry, some people don't wear earrings. They wear long dresses. And they try in their flesh to become something that they do not have the substance to be. The eternal life is not just security from hell, but it's an ability to live the Christian life. It is not just security from hell, but an ability. The eternal life is, is in itself a life. It is called life. And every life is an ability. Life is a vital force. It is something that is able to suppress something or give you an unusual ability. That is life. So the, what we call eternal life is a vital force of God. It's a force. It's a vital force of God that God has deposited inside of you. A vital life force. So there are people, look at this, there are people who are not really, really maturing the life inside of them. They are not growing the life inside of them. But then they are trying to be righteous. They are trying to walk in their own flesh to please God. They are trying to use human initiatives, their own effort to try to put on something to appear as though they are righteous. And they think God accepts them. You see, Paul said, you see, Paul said that uh, um, there are people who have a form of godliness, but they deny the power. The power there is their life, the vital force of God. That can help them to live the righteous life. So he said they have an appearance, okay? They have an appearance that they are righteous. And he said from such people, turn away. Let me tell you something. I have a son, okay? And then my son, whether, you see, when you have a son and the son looks like you or does not look like you in appearance, because there are people who give birth to children and the children doesn't look like them. Sometimes the children, when they look through their family, the children doesn't even look like anybody at all, but the person is their children. You see, so we actually accept somebody as our child, not based on the appearance. The fact that, can you give birth, can you, can you impregnate a woman, your wife, give birth, and then you say that, oh, this child doesn't look like me, so I won't accept the child. Have you heard some before? It doesn't exist. This child doesn't look like me, so I will not accept the child. That thing doesn't exist. It means you are not correct. So actually, <laughs> so actually, you see, you accept your child not based on appearance. So when somebody comes out, somebody comes, okay, somebody brings somebody to you and then the, the child, somebody brings a child to you and the child now begins to act like you, begins to roll the tongue like you, begins to walk like you, learns the way you are and tries to be like you. You will still not accept him as your child. Do you know why? Because, you see, you don't accept somebody as your child based on the person's appearance. You accept somebody as a child because of your DNA inside of the person. Because of your DNA. So whether the person looks exactly like you or not in appearance, you accept the person based on DNA. The same way God, Paul is telling us that there are people who have a form of godliness. They want to appear to be like God. They want to actually look like God in appearance 
when they do not have the DNA of God, they don't have the ability, the vital life force that can actually make them gradually into God. They don't have it. But then they appear and they try to put up God's appearance. But they don't know that God does not accept people based on appearance, but he accepts people because of his life inside of them. He accepts people based on his life force, the vital life force, the eternal life. That is what he accepts people based on. So he will not accept you just because you, 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 are, you are wearing long dresses and then you don't wear earrings and then you, are, you look all sanctimonious, you look all, 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 all sanctified and then you look, you look all diplomatic, you put on a certain character to show that you belong to God. This is why in this kingdom there are people who don't live like Christ, they don't look like Christ in appearance. They, in fact, they are misrepresenting Christ, but God loves them. Because our acceptance is not in our appearance. We are accepted in the beloved. Oh, I, I don't know if you get the message. Do, do you get what I'm saying? Our acceptance, God does not accept us because we are living right. He does not accept us because of our right living. We live right because he has accepted us. We don't live right to be accepted. Our acceptance is in his DNA in us and we are accepted in the beloved because actually God's DNA in us is the beloved. God's DNA, which is the eternal life inside of us, is the son. So he accepts us in the son, not because of our appearance. That is where he accepts us, not because of our appearance. So God accepts us like that. And now, when you look at that verse very carefully, 1 John chapter 3, 9, the Bible says that God's seed remains in us and we cannot sin. Take note of that. John is not actually saying that the, the moment you sin, you don't have God's seed or you are the devil. Because the previous verse says, he that sinned is of the devil. He's not actually saying that when you commit sin, because you have the tendencies to sin when you become a Christian. It will take a while. It will take a while. When the immortal seed, the life, begins to eat up the, the mortality, that you begin to walk in righteousness. That is what God desires. That you begin to walk in righteousness. So actually, you can sin. Let me shock you. In 1 John chapter 2, the verse 1, John said, My little children, these things I write unto you so that you will not sin. Take note of this. These things I am writing to you, 1 John 2, 1, these things I am writing to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone sin, he does not call the person a devil, but that he has an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ the righteous. Do you see that? If anyone sin, he has an advocate. He doesn't say the person is. And he, this is the same person who said in the very next chapter that he that sinners is of the devil. That should tell you that he is not actually talking about you, you, are, you become a Christian, then you fall into sin. Then you are of the devil. What actually he's talking about is, is continuous sinning, comfortable, continual sinning. It is not possible for a Christian to be comfortable in sin. It is not possible for a Christian to enjoy sin. That is what he's talking about. So actually, a Christian may sin, but if a Christian sins, because of the vital life force, which is the eternal life inside of him, the Christian's conscience begins to trouble him. Because the sin, the act, is contrary to the new nature, which is the life that he has received. And so the conscience begins to trouble him. That is it. And so if a Christian, once a Christian sins, he runs back to God. It, it's not like he will not sin. So a Christian can sin and run back to God a million times before the person can mature. Sometimes there are people like that. 
before they mature. There are people who fall in, into sin. They will run back to God. They will fall into sin. They will run back to God. They will fall into sin. It's a deficiency, actually. They run back to God. It's a sign that they, that's why the Bible calls them babes. Babes are the people who have the seed of God inside of them. They have the eternal life inside of them. And we call them carnal. They have the eternal life inside of them, but their life has remained the seed. It has not grown. It has remained a seed. So once the life remains a seed, you will still battle with sin. You still battle in this life. You battle with sin because the life has not matured. Do you see that? So this eternal life we are talking about, this, this life we are talking about, the seed, John calls it the seed. When you look at First Peter, I think chapter 1, in that verse 23, he said, being born, uh, being born again, not of the corruptible seed, but of the incorruptible seed. You see, when the Bible talks about seed, take note of this, when the Bible talks about seed, you know, a seed is an offspring, okay? A seed is an offspring. So as I'm here, I am the seed of my father. And I am God's seed as well. Because I am the child of God. I am the seed of God. And I'll tell you why. I am my father's seed. When you look through the Bible, even in, in, in Hebrews chapter 2 verse 16, the Bible says, Verily Jesus did not take on the form of angels, but he took upon him the, the seed of Abraham. You see, the seed of Abraham, which means the offspring of Abraham. When you look at Acts chapter 17, is it the verse 28 or something like that, where it says, it says, it says, in him we live and walk, in him we live and move and have our being. You see, and we are his offspring. We are his offspring. You see, so offspring is a seed. When we talk about the seed, so John is saying that he that is born of God does not commit sin because God's offspring dwells in him. Take note of that. He cannot commission because God's offspring. He cannot continually enjoy sin anymore because of God's offspring in him. Which means if you don't have God's offspring, you will continually enjoy sin. He cannot enjoy sin anymore because of God's offspring. So when we talk about the seed, we are talking about an offspring. But you see, in, 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 in Greek, the word seed there, in 1 John 3, 9, the word seed there is the Greek word sperma. Sperma where we get our English word sperm. So the Bible is actually saying that the reason why you cannot sin is because God's sperm dwells in you. God's sperm. <laughs> Somebody's not. God's sperm dwells in you. And because of that, it is revitalizing you that you can no longer enjoy sin. God's sperm dwells in you. Now, let's examine the sperm. You know, sperm actually contains sperm actually contains two major things. Okay, sperm contains two major things. The first one, sperm contains the character of the person that the sperm is coming from. The character of the person. That is what sperm contains. Then sperm also contains the, the sex determining factor. You see? So, so in the sperm, we have the sperm carries genes. And then the genes, in the genes, uh, Apostle Justice is the biology teacher here, so he knows that I'm telling the truth. Uh, uh, genes, and then the genes contains, um, 
um, the character, the character of the man. So, for instance, my son looks exactly like me. When you look at my son, I'm talking about in appearance. He looks exactly like me. But look at this. My son did not try to, in his effort to look like me. But there was a sperm that entered my son that started making him like me. So he started getting transformed to become like me. My son looks exactly like me. He, he, everything about him and all that. So the genes, the genes contain the, the, how is it called? The character, um, the, the, the ability to roll a tongue, the hereditary elements, the ability to roll a tongue, the color of whatever, the color of hair, the color of skin, those kind of things. That is what genes contains, okay? So the sperm contains that, and the sperm also contains chromosome, the 23 chromosomes where we have the, the sex determining factor. So if you are, you are a male, it means your father donated Y and then your mother donated X. Your mother only has XX, you have XY. So it means that you donated Y and then your father donated Y and then your, your, your mother donated X. That is why you are a male. If it is XX, you become a female. Do you see that? So the sperm also contains the, 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 the sex determining factor. Now look at this. The first thing I spoke about is that the, the sperm contains the character of the man from whom the sperm is going from. Which means that the eternal life, the eternal life that we receive, which the Bible calls a seed, which dwells in you, contains the character of God. Look at this. What God is trying to make of the human race, what he's trying to make of Christians, the reason for all our evangelism is because God wants a finer human being. He wants human beings who are of a finer texture, morally and mentally. Not men who are trying to be moral, but people, men in whom the character of God is formed. Those are the people he wants. Men in whom God's character is formed. Do, do you see that? So he placed the seed inside of us, which is the sperm, his own sperm in us. And that sperm contains God's character. So the more the sperm metamorphoses, look at this, the more the sperm metamorphoses, when, when the sperm fertilizes an egg, okay, it moves through the fallopian tube and then implants itself in the uterus, then now it begins, the metamorphosis begins, okay, it begins like that for, for nine months, gestation period, nine months before a full human being is formed, nine months. So actually, when the human being is formed and the human being comes out, you realize that the human being looks like his father. Even if it doesn't look like his father and you do a DNA test, you realize that the human being contains the father's DNA. That's how it is. And it takes nine months for that thing to happen, for a full human being to develop. In the same vein, when you look at the eternal life that is inside of you, the eternal life, the seed that God has planted inside of you, that life, that life is God's sperm. And actually, that, that sperm, that life that God implants in you in salvation is the same thing that God planted inside Mary when he encountered her. So the angel appeared to Mary and said, the, the Holy Ghost shall overshadow you and then you shall conceive. And so God placed a sperm, his sperm inside of the woman. Oh, is somebody with me? God placed his sperm. He put his sperm inside of the woman. When the sperm metamorphosed, the result is Jesus. What the sperm metamorphosed into is Jesus. 
let me shock you that the same sperm that God put inside Mary that metamorphosed into Jesus is the same sperm that God puts inside of you. What the Lord deposited inside Mary is the life. That is why when Jesus came, he said, I am the way, the truth, and I am the life. The life that God puts inside of us is the same thing that he put inside Mary. That is the same thing he's put. So when the life metamorphoses completely and grows completely, the result, what we see is Jesus. Jesus is the result. Okay, when the life metamorphoses, just as what Mary gave birth to is Jesus, even so today, when the seed, which is the life, grows so much inside of you, the result it will produce is Jesus Christ. That's the result. So, Paul tells us in Galatians 4.19, Paul said, My little children, in whom I travail in birth again, until Christ be formed in you. The word formed there is the Greek word morpho. And you look at the, uh, uh, Romans chapter 12, the verse 2, it said, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed is the word metamorpho. Okay, similar words. So the Bible is talking about a metamorphosis that takes place. It is not a taking on of an appearance, but a change, a gradual change that takes place until you become something. So the more the seed of God begins to develop and mature, okay, the more the seed of God begins to develop and mature inside of you, the more you, you look like God, the more you look like Jesus, the more the character of God is being formed in you. That is why you not like sin anymore. The more the seed is, is developing, you realize that, no, you begin to hate sin. That is why once upon a time you were masturbator. But after you expose yourself to the word of God and certain conditions, you fellowship with believers, you give your attention to the things that came from God, you give your attention to songs that originated from God, you began to change, you began to transform. You didn't to stop the masturbation, the masturbation was swallowed up by the eternal life. It was swallowed up. It was swallowed up by the eternal life. It was, the masturbation was swallowed up. That is it. The pride was swallowed up. That is why when, when somebody is proud, it is a sign that the persons, you see, the pride is a reflection of how much the seed has developed, how much the immortal life has swallowed up the corruption that is inside of you. That is, that is a testimony. How much it has swallowed up, that is a testimony. The, the seed that God planted in you is the vital life force. You cannot sink. You, you, you see, you look at John chapter 10, I think the verse 27 or 28, where Jesus said that, I give to them eternal life and they shall never perish. Let me tell you, they shall never perish. Actually, if a person is truly a Christian, the person cannot completely sink. You can't completely sink. It is, it is um, Martin Luther who said that, um, I, strange though, he said, strange though, I am saved from sin, but I am not saved from sinning. So at salvation, God saves you from sin. Look at Romans chapter 8. The verse 1 says that, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the, the flesh, but after the spirit. They say, for the law of the spirit of life. Oh my goodness. That is the eternal life. The eternal life is a law inside of you. It is called the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. That is what deposited inside of you. And the law will keep producing the character of God inside of you. So he said that that law, that law, that principle of grace, it is called the principle of grace. For the law 
of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. You see, the law of sin and death is the corrupt seed that was, that was, what produ was producing the, the sin and the death inside of you. But now it is replaced by the law of the spirit of life. And as this seed, which is the eternal life, the life grows inside of you, everything else is taken care of until you become like Jesus. Because like I said, the seed that is implanted inside you is the same that was implanted inside Mary. So it has been planted inside, inside of Mary and there, when it grew, it metamorphosed. The result is Jesus. Let me tell you something. There are two, two different kinds of transformation in the Bible that the Bible mentions actually. One is reversible, the other one is not reversible. You look at, you look at the, is it 2 Corinthians chapter 11 or something? I think 11 verse 14, where the Bible says that, uh, and no marvel that Satan also transforms into an angel of light. And no marvel, but Satan also transforms, he changes into an angel of light. Do you see that? And no marvel, but Satan also transforms, oh my goodness, into an angel of light. That transformation is different from metamorphosis. It is not the metamorpho. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. And no wonder for Satan himself transforms. This transforms is different from be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's different from be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's different. This transform here is the Greek word metaschematizo. Yes, don't worry. Metaschema, if you have Congo, you can check. It is not metamorpho. <laughs> it's not metamorpho. This one is keeping up appearances. So when you are a pastor, for instance, that is why Paul said, don't be in hurry to lay hands on people. He said, do not ordain, do not ordain a novice into office, yet lest being lifted up in pride, he falls into the condemnation of the devil. You see, we need to come to a point where we understand that the fact that there are people who are loyal to you as a pastor does not mean that those people are loyal to Christ. You see, people can be loyal to men. They can, be, they can be with you, they can be good to you and serve you for a while. It, it does not qualify them for ordination until you have seen metamorphosis. So usually what the people bring on board is what we call metaschematizo, this kind of transformation where the people are just transformed, okay, like how Satan transforms himself into an angel of light. That one is just for a purpose. And so you can ordain somebody and you realize that he begins to sleep with all of the congregation he has. You, you ordain somebody as a choir leader and begin to sleep with all the girls there. You see, the problem is that the person be put up appearances. He, he just transformed. He just to, tried to be nice with you. He just tried to be nice, to look good before you so that you promote him so that, that, that is it. This is the kind of transformation. It is for a specific assignment. This is it. It's for a specific assignment. But the one that Romans chapter 12 verse 2 talks about and Galatians 4.19, when Paul said, My little children, in whom I travail in birth again, until Christ be formed in you. That word morpho, or metamorphosis. It is like a mosquito. That is, it moves from, what is it? Egg, okay, egg, then lava, then pupa, then adult mosquito. When it becomes a lava, it can no, no more come back. It can transform back into an egg. Do you see that? It can transform back into an egg when it becomes um, 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 a lava. 
So egg, lava, pupa, adult mosquito, like that. That's what we call transformation. So what happens to the womb of a woman? Look at this. What happens to, to the womb? What happens in the womb of a woman? When a woman is pregnant, what happens there is not metaschematizo. It is metamorphosis, metamorpho. It is, it is a gradual change of form, gradual change of figure gradual change of form so it changes gradually until it begins to look like a human being that is it so the sperm changes do you see that it keeps transforming like that until it becomes like a human being that is what what we call the gestation period so during the gestation period the gestation period is for that growth before it becomes a full human being and so when something, you see, because we know human beings so well, anything that comes out that does not look like a human being, we begin to get worried. So there are children who come out of the womb and then they are joined in the head. There are children who come out of the womb and they, they do not have legs. Some people do not have penis. Some people, their vagina is closed. Some people do not have ear. All these things are deformities. And this is how it is like. The reason why we get worried is because we know how a human being looks like. Even so today, if you don't know how Jesus Christ looks like, you cannot determine what spiritual maturity is. Because Jesus Christ is the height, the standard of spiritual maturity. He is the perfect man, the man that we have in view, the one, the one we are journeying to become like. So the more you know Jesus, the more you'll be able to determine how a spiritual person is like. So you cannot really tell who a mature person is if you don't know Jesus. That is why today the world, look at the world. I see people's status and then they are using some, some quotes, some motivational quotes. Eh? True maturity is, true mat they tell you that true maturity is when, you, when, you, when, when somebody uh, doesn't like you and you also don't care about the person. That is true maturity. It is foolishness. It is, it is childish. It is childish. Like I told you from the beginning, look at this. The more mature the believer becomes, look, look at this. The more the seed metamorphosis, the more the person begins to look like Christ and the more mature the person becomes. In, in, in the kingdom, maturity is measured by how childlike you are. Take this from me. In, in the kingdom, maturity is measured by how childlike you are. I have studied something about my son. In fact, this morning, this morning, I was sleeping. I sleep, I sleep usually in the mornings. In the morning. I slept this morning and then my son came to me. My son came to me. And then he came and then he came to hit my head, like trying to wake me up. Like he's awake. He doesn't understand why he's awake and I am still sleeping. Meanwhile, he slept at night. I slept in the morning. He expected me to be awake at the same time with him. You see that? So he came and then he was hitting my head with something he was holding. And then I, I pushed him away. When I pushed him, when I pushed him, he fell. And then he began to cry. So when I realized he began to cry, then I went to him and then I, I said, come, come to me. And then he, he, he stood up and then was running back to me. Let me tell you something. If you are an adult, do you know that if somebody does that to you, you become offended. You don't talk to the person for three years. But my son, because he's childlike, he does not harbor grudge. <laughs> my goodness. I tell my son to come. I tell my son to come and then he's running. He does something, he touches something I said he shouldn't touch. I lash him and then he's running back to me again. I lash him, he, the next second he's smiling to me. That is actually what God defines as maturity. So actually in the kingdom of God, a person's maturity is determined by how childlike the person becomes. 
I'm not talking about childish, childish. I'm talking about childlike. Childishness is a sickness. It's a, <laughs> it's a deficiency. It's, it's also a deformity. It is not childishness, but childlikeness. That is why when the, the disciples were arguing in Matthew 18, Jesus, who, who is the greatest in the kingdom? Jesus brought the child. Jesus didn't go for the Pharisees who were legalistic, who were ascetic. He went for a little child and said, whoever is like this little child, he is the greatest in the kingdom. Look at it. It means God's definition of greatness is not what the world defines as greatness. It is what God defines as childlikeness. That is why you look, you look at Luke chapter 22. One thing you realize that Jesus said, when they began to argue, who is the greatest? Who is the greatest? Jesus said, you see, in the, in the, in the world, the, 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 the leaders, they rule over you. They rule over you in the world. But in the kingdom, the one who is a leader must be like the servant. That is how it is. The one who is, the greater must be like the servant. That, that is how it is in the kingdom. So in the kingdom, the more mature the person is, actually the person becomes childlike. And this thing is not something you can fake. I'm telling you. That is why you can see that there, are, there is anger inside of you. If somebody offends you a little, there is anger. You don't want to forgive the person. So the world is telling you maturity is when somebody does this and then you do not. And, and, then, and then maturity is, is, is because of my peace of mind. I will not mingle with the people who offend me. That is maturity. It's a lie. That is mortality, not maturity. It is mortality. <laughs> it is mortality. Maturity, maturity. Look at Jesus Christ. He is the pattern of growth. Jesus Christ, he is. So the more the seed of God develops inside of a believer, oh my goodness, what we begin to see is Jesus Christ. You become like Christ. The character of Christ begins to be formed in you. There are people who try to suppress an edge. I tell people this. When, for instance, you, you feel like masturbating, it's a sign that there's something wrong with you. You see, it is different when you masturbate. You say, oh, but I feel like masturbating doesn't mean I masturbated. Look, the fact that that desire is still in you means that there's something wrong. There's, if that is mortality, it must be swallowed up. Look at Romans chapter 8, the verse, the verse 11. He said, if the spirit of him that raised Jesus from the dead dwelleth in you, he that raised Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal body by the spirit that is in you. Then the verse 12, he said, now brethren, we are debtors not to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you, through the spirit, do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. You, through the agency of the spirit, the ability that is inside of you do mortify the deeds of the body you shall live so actually the deeds of the body must be put to death you look at colossians chapter 2 also is it, it it's paul, paul was talking about put to death therefore your members put to death put to death mortify therefore your members he said mortify them put them to death mortify them is somebody here mortify them Kill them. So if you have the tendency to masturbate, you are not completely free. You are not completely free. You are completely free, not when you are suppressing an edge, but when there is no edge. That is where we must desire to come, my goodness. There was a man called, um, 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 what was the name? The, the Azusa Street Revivalist, William J. Seymour. 
this man, uh, John G. Lake, gave a testimony about William J. Seymour. You know, John G. Lake was a very mighty man who, who walked in eternal life to a certain degree. Very mighty man. And he gave a testimony about William Seymour. He said he has never encountered, if you read his book, The Adventures in God, he said I have never he has never encountered any man in his life who possessed God like William J. Seymour. When you read uh, Robert Sliding's account of William J. Seymour, he spoke about something. He said, William J. Seymour, when somebody is, 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 is criticizing him, he does not react. He doesn't react to criticism. You criticize him. He, he said he smiles to criticism. He smiles, but today we curse. He, look at this. He smiles to criticism. Today we curse people who criticize us. There are people who did men evil. Look at Stephen. When Stephen was dying, what, look at the prayer he prayed. Do not lay this sin to their church. Today, when we are under pressure, we curse. It's a sign. It tells how much mortality. We have the empowering grace. We have the grace to preach. We have the gift of the spirit. And we operate in prophetic. But there is mortality inside of us. So it is possible for you to walk in great power when you do not know the Lord Jesus. It is possible for you to walk in great power when you are a spiritual baby. Mm, possible possible because with all the power with all the things we are showcasing we are cursing people who are insulting us we are cursing people who are it's a sign that their life has not matured to eat up all the mortality it hasn't matured there are, i tell people something you see there are times that uh, you know when you are you you are married okay you understand certain things better when you are married you understand something I say this, there are times that my wife does something and I'm not happy with it, okay? Then I'm there. Sometimes I expect her to come and apologize to me. Then all of a sudden, I began to pray in the Holy Ghost. When I'm praying the Holy Ghost, some, you see, the life is stirred inside of me so much that it begins to eat up the ego. The fact that I'm waiting for my wife to come and apologize means I have ego. Look at that. The fact that I'm waiting for her to be the one to apologize means I have ego. <laughs> yes and because of that i cannot walk in glory there is a dimension of i will be with you look at this jesus christ jesus christ okay jesus christ the bible says how god anointed jesus christ of nazareth Acts chapter 10 verse 38 with the holy ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for god was with him do you see that for God was with him, that with him, when God sent Moses, Moses said, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and I should, I, should, I should deliver the children of Israel? God said, but I will be with you. Do you see that? The be with you factor. When he sent the disciple, go and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. For, and lo, I am with you always. This is the I am with you factor. The tangible glory and presence of God can never come. You can operate in gifts when God's presence and glory is not with you. This is why the body of Christ, we do not understand that our ultimate purpose is to mature the divine life in the people. And so we give attention to a whole lot of things and, and our attention is given to prophecy and even the prophecies, the people are prophesying and they, they, they are not mature. They are prophesying and they don't know God. They, they have the gift and so we, we are not maturing. Do you know that until you see the glory, you cannot transform into the image? The Bible says we all with an open face beholding us in a glass, the glory of the Lord. We are changed into the same image, which means until you behold the glory, you cannot change. So if you do not encounter people who truly have the presence of God and they are only operating by the gift, you cannot actually change.
you must behold the glory. And to walk in the glory, we must get to a point where the mortality is eaten up by life. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the verse 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the verse 3. I wish somebody can post, can post this here for me. Somebody can post this here for me. I have 10, 10 minutes to go. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 3. Get it for me. Cavalike balide cavando sabrinde capa. Alike brendo son tevrinde canto palia conde bredu. If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. Give me the verse 4. Please give me the verse 4. Calike valide cadunzi valendo capanda. Verse 4. La cavride caduzi vrandi capande santo. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan. Grown. This is one of the ways. That is why I said they have dealt with how to actually grow spiritually. I am only explaining how the spiritual maturity comes about. You see, they have, I would have told you about groaning, about praying, about the word, about fellowship, fellowship with the brethren. If you don't fellowship with the brethren, you can't grow well. The divine life can't mature. You see? So he said, for while we are still... In this tent, okay. He said, for we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon that mortality might be swallowed up of life. That is the realm of glory. Where mortality, everything that represents mortality, sin, pride, ego, self-ambition, self-righteousness, self-exaltation, um, um, anger, malice, a uh, 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 drunkenness, all these, these tendencies, you see, all these tendencies, they have to be swallowed up. They are called mortality. That is why Paul says that take advantage of the Holy Ghost to mortify the deeds. They are called mortality. There are realms we cannot go. We cannot walk with God. Ladies and gentlemen, there are realms we cannot walk with God except mortality has swallowed up this life. You can operate in gift. The, the Corinth, the church in Corinth is a church that operated seriously in the gifts. They operated in the gift. That's why Paul said, concerning spiritual gifts, I'd I will not leave you ignorant. You see, there are diversities of operation, differences in administration and all that, but the same spirit to one is giving the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, the word, all these things. They are dead. They are gifts. You can operate in them. But I tell you that until mortality has been swallowed up, the pride, the, the, the need to make an impression, because sometimes you are going to minister and then, and then you have this tendency that you want to impress. I said that usually when you, you are, you are they, they bring you with other ministers to come and minister, okay? When they bring you with other ministers to come and minister and then you look at the ministers, then you, you, you want to go and dig deeper to come and then make an impression. That all these tendencies, we cannot walk in glory. Except they are all flesh. This is flesh. We cannot walk in glory. What God wants us to walk is to, to get to where he wants us to get to is a place where we become isos, one with him, isos. One, like an isosceles triangle, one in excellence, to the point where you can stand and say, whoever has seen me has seen God. See, the man of God who ministered on Monday made a, a very profound statement. He said, I think, uh, he said, he, he quoted from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1 or something like that. Where Paul said that, follow me as I follow Christ. He said, if you cannot say that, follow me as I follow Christ, there is something wrong. Follow me. You can't tell people to follow me. Do you know what, what he's saying there? Very profound statement. But it means that you are not actually, you don't look like God. 
Jesus can stand and say that whoever has seen me has seen God. And now we are the light of the world. We should be able to stand and say, if you meet me, you have met God. But how come people are meeting us? We, can, we have gifts, but we don't carry glory, and so they don't change. We have gifts, but we speak and then their hearts do not bend. We speak and then they, can, they say we have preached well, but there is no transformation. Nothing preached them in their heart. We preach and they tell us we are good preachers and then... That is it. Nothing happens to them. We preach and then they tell us we are good people. Oh, we know the scriptures. We know the word. But what transforms is not the intelligence. It is not how intelligible we are able to express ourselves. But the glory that we carry as a result of the mortality being, being swallowed up by the life of God. The glory. It is the glory. That is a realm. And I'm telling you, in that realm, you can have a gift and say you are starting ministry. You deceive people. We don't start ministry because we have a gift. You can have a gift and say you are ministry. You deceive, you kill people, you destroy people, you disturb people, you complicate the work. We don't start with gift. The Bible says, who shall ascend? Psalm 24. Psalm 24 verse 1. That was, it says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and they that dwell therein. He has founded it upon the waters and established it upon the seas. Who can ascend unto the hill of the Lord? He said, he that has clean hands and a pure heart. My goodness. He that has clean hands and a pure heart. Who has not lifted up his soul to vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. But look at us. We are, we are so moved by cars. Today, ministers are moved by cars. We are moved by the prestige that comes with the titles. They are flesh. We can, people can applaud us, but we now we know that there is no glory because we, don't, we cannot say and stand and say, I and my father are one. That oneness doesn't exist. Where God can manifest himself mightily through us. That oneness doesn't exist. It's not there. It's not there. It's not there. And God is calling us to lay our gift aside and come to a place where he begins to purge us. He's calling us to come to a place where he will begin to purge us, to purge our motives. What is your motive? He begins to purge. It is flesh. We can't host the glory. Ladies and gentlemen, what the world needs is the glory of God. They need the life of God. They need the presence of God. Look at what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He said that, uh, um, um, uh, uh, we are dying. We, we who are alive are being delivered to death. So that, do you see that? We are being delivered to death, which means that the way to walk in the glory is for mortality to be killed, to be swallowed up. We are being delivered to death. All the, the mortal tendencies, the fleshly tendencies must die. We are being delivered to death. That mortality, so that immortality may be made manifest through our mortal body. The verse 12 of 2 Corinthians chapter, 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 um, chapter 4. Verse 12 of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Paul said that death is working in us, but life in you. Do you know what it means there? You cannot release life into anybody. You cannot impact anybody. People can listen to you and still be dry. They can listen to you and still continue their fornication because there is no life. What we impact into people is life. When you look at 1 John chapter 5 verse 16, this, Paul, uh, uh, John said, if, you, if, if a man sin a sin, if you see a man that is sinning a sin that is not unto death, you shall ask and you shall give him life. What do you give him? It's not message. You, he said you shall ask and you shall give him not message. You shall give him not a sermon, not a counsel, but life. The world is sinking in darkness because there are no men who carry the life. There are no men who can, who, who can express the life. 
Ladies and gentlemen, people listen to us and they, they still remain the same. Every single week, every single day, we walk and then the people in your workplace don't know you are a Christian, you are a believer. The life has not metamorphosed and the people at your workplace don't know you are a Christian. So when you say you are a Christian, you not, they are shocked. That is why you are at work. You cannot begin to speak in the Holy Ghost because when you start speaking in the Holy Ghost, they will ask you, so you are a Christian and you are actually behaving like this. God told the Egyptians, I will put a distinction between you and the... God told the, the Israelites, I'll put a distinction between you and the Egyptians. 18. He said, you shall descend and know the difference between them that serve God and them that serve him not. Where is the difference? The world is sinking. It is sinking and, and, and what they need is the life. The life. We can have a gift to impress people, to draw the crowd, to draw people to us. We, we draw them and then they applaud us. We preach well and they applaud us. And, 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 and it's like, oh, they have applauded us, but there is no effect and we don't care because they keep coming. There is no result. Somebody listens to you and the person is still immoral. Listen to you and the person does not have the tendency, does not desire to come closer to God. When people hear us, they, may, they must desire to climb up to God, to know God in experience. They must say, no, I need to know this God. When they hear us, they, they must say, no, I need to go higher. I need to dig deeper. They must say, they must say, there is something wrong with us because we do not understand that God cherishes the fruits the fruits, the character, the integrity, the virtues, the moral goodness. God cherishes them more than the gift that we are showcasing. And we do not know that even goodness can, leave, can lead men to repentance. That is why when you don't live well with people, you realize that you cannot change them. You can't change them. Like I was saying, e ego. I, I realized it was an ego. It was ego. Goodness can lead, can lead men to repentance. Let me tell you, I have observed by my own experience in marriage, I have observed that the, the times, you see, the, I have observed that the times that my marriage has been so beautiful and the times that I have enjoyed the love of my wife, oh my goodness, I've enjoyed the affection of my wife, is when she does something and I'm not happy with it, but I behave as though she did not do it and I still become so good to her. There, are, there was a time she did something I was not happy, I don't, I went to prepare a, a breakfast for her at dawn. Breakfast in bed. I'm telling you, I hit burning coals upon her. Do, do you know burning coals? Throughout the day, my wife was like, oh, babe, I'm sorry. Babe, I'm sorry for yesterday, okay? You know, I didn't mean it. Oh, babe, I'm sorry. I didn't, I only did use goodness to get, to get, oh my goodness. Look, the world, you, you are, you'll be shocked that goodness, the Bible says goodness leads men to repentance. Goodness leads men to repentance. So when I am there and I say, oh, oh, no, my wife must come and apologize. It is ego. It is flesh. I cannot ascend into glory like that. I cannot enter into glory like that. I can't ascend into the glory. I cannot walk with the spirit like that. She does something. I go sometimes. I say, babe, oh, I'm sorry. I say, oh, no, it's not you, me. I am you rather. I'm sorry. I say, no, me too. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It's beautiful. How can your marriage fail? When you, when you allow the life to eat up mortality, when you allow it, we don't do good. We don't live well, but we, we pray well. We don't live well, but we preach well. I'm saying that it is more Christ-like to live well than to preach well. We don't live well. So our schools, people look at us and then when they see us holding Bible going to church, they are shocked. They are shocked. 
when they see us holding Bible and we are going, they are shocked. Goodness. Let me tell you just this story and then I close. You see, the church history teaches us that the early church loved themselves so much. Oh my goodness, they were generous. And, and sincerely speaking, I have seen such generosity in Apostle Justice. Oh yes. See, the, the early church were so loving. They were so loving, so generous. So I tell people that gifts don't move me. It is men of integrity that move me. If, if you don't have character, if I know you, you don't have character, and you give me a prophecy, I look at it twice. Yeah, integrity. The people, look, the people, the early church, they loved themselves so much that they hid it. Do you know that the early church were so persecuted? They were persecuted. The early church were so persecuted and, and even in the midst of persecution, they confounded the, the emperors, their enemies, they confounded them. Do you know that most of the people who converted to Christianity in the early days, in the early first century, they converted because of the love that they saw, they saw the Christians showing to each other. They said, who, who are these who love themselves like this? <laughs> they don't understand. Like, look at how they love each other. They say, look at Look at how they love each other. Huh. Yeah. Nor was there among them anyone who lacked. They sold their possessions. Look at how they loved each other. And because of that love, they were able to convert wicked, hidden emperors. They converted them because of the love. They loved each other. Ladies and gentlemen, if we do not go for edification, edification, if we do not give ourselves to the things that will develop the life inside us and eat up mortality, eat up mortality, we cannot walk in glory. We cannot walk hosting God's presence. We can't. That is why we are talkers. We are talkers. We are talkers, but there is no presence. The presence factor is missing. We are talkers, but the glory that changes people into the image of God is missing. That is the problem. We talk, we talk, because there's a problem. He says, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. You read that scripture and you don't even, do, be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Which means the way to overcome evil is not to pray, to go and stand and say, oh Lord, kill this, this person, he has been evil to me. He said, the, the power to overcome evil is goodness. Oh my goodness. You know, the power to overcome evil is goodness. Let me use David and then Saul for an example. Saul, David had an opportunity to kill Saul. He didn't kill Saul. He went to stand afar. Then when Saul realized that, hey, David could have killed him, but he didn't kill him. Saul said, oh, you are more righteous than I. For if a man find his enemy, shall he not kill him? But David did not. David did not. Goodness, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. If the life grows inside of you, the character of God will be evident. I say that when somebody asks me, what is the character of Jesus? It's simple. The character of Jesus is the fruit of the spirit. That's the character of Jesus. So somebody, what is the character of Jesus? The character of Jesus is the fruit of the spirit. All these things I'm talking about, I've written about them. I have them in my book. I, I just preached the same one that from my book. Yeah. The character of Jesus is the fruit of the spirit. The fruit of the spirit is the character of Jesus. We don't. We like gift. Gift impresses us. Character doesn't impress us. So we are always going for the gift, ladies and gentlemen. We need to do something.
We need to allow the seed to grow. We need to expose the seed to the conditions, the life, the eternal life. Expose it to the conditions. That is why if a person gets born again and the person is not separated from his friends and does not fellowship with believers, you realize that it takes him a long time to grow. If a person does not, does not find himself in an environment where prayer is a priority, it takes long to grow. Those are the conditions under which the seed develops. You cannot be under certain atmospheres and then you, you will not change. You will not change. The seed must develop. We must begin to walk as people who are one with God. People see us and say, oh, this man, I don't know, I love him so much. When people want humble people, they just look at you and they say, oh, this man, I love him so much because he's so good. Not because of the gift. I love this man because he's so good. Jesus Christ, the Bible says how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. He went about doing what good. Good. Sometimes we focus on the power and we forget about the good, goodness of the Lord. Listen to repentance. I want us to pray this night. And I, I want us to desire a certain hunger to ascend, to get to a place where we become one with God. And that can only be possible if the life begins to develop inside of us. The life begins to grow inside of us because a lot of, a lot of babies are behind pulpit. A lot of children, they, they are there contending with other believers. A lot of children insulting people, doing people evil behind pulpits. They are behind pulpits, cursing men. A lot of children having great prophetic gifts. A lot of children without integrity. A lot of children without loyalty. A lot of children without goodness. A lot of children without love, without patience, without peace without joy, a lot of children, and they do not know how to mingle with people, a lot of children. We are going to pray and say, Lord, as I begin to pray, let the seed begins to develop. Have you seen that? When you have worked with God for a while, you realize that whenever you start to pray, your heart begins to bend. I don't know how many people have had that experience. You must have experiences. Because I always say that doctrines are validated by experience. When you begin to pray, something begins to boil inside of you. Your heart begins to bend. That's the life. It begins to take over you. That is why you realize that when you are angry and you start play, praying in the Holy Ghost, you start praying in the Holy Ghost, the anger begins to evaporate. Do you see that? Until you go back into the flesh before the, the anger will come back. It tells you, that's it. That's it. As you begin to pray, the life is stirred. Oh my goodness. It begins to swallow mortality. It begins to want to swallow pride. It begins to want to swallow self-ambition. It begins to, your heart begins to bend. The, the life is being stirred. It means stead. And then once it is stead, it begins to enter your mortal body. And then it starts eating up mortality small, small. So it is progressive. As you begin to, as you keep, you keep doing those things consistently, it is eating up consistently like that. You get to a certain point and then you realize that, ah, somebody step on your toe and doesn't move you. It's not like you, you just decided. It's not a decision. But you get to a point where you cannot but love sinners. You love sinners so much that you give your whole life just for their salvation. Oh my goodness. I read about Amy Beatrice Kamekel. She was an Irish from an Ireland. From Ireland. Her heart burned. She had a strong love for sinners. That she left her family in England and traveled to China. She lived the rest of her life in China. Ah! Can you do that? It's not gift. We don't gift. That one, it is capacity. It is spiritual material. It is capacity. That is not gift. You know, that is why with all of your gifts, if God is taking you through some difficulties tomorrow night, then you are giving up. With all of your gifts, 
With all of your gifts, you cannot give your life to a certain mission in a certain village. With all of your gifts, you are just comfortable. You want a life, a soft life. Do you know what people gave up to serve this God? Do you know what Christianity, how Christianity came this far? People gave their lives. They sacrificed their families.